Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Hey, what do you say, folks? It is a Monday, Monday, September 25. Yes. And Donald Trump's latest war against the NFL and NBA and uh, the NBA. Oh, yes, indeed. Just what we need uh, to, uh, to expand the cultural war to include major professional sports. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It is uh, a big Monday, Monday, September 25. This is uh, the Bill Press Show. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio right here on Capitol Hill. Uh, Looking at you uh, across the board, coast to coast, uh, with all the news of the day, and there is a lot to talk about indeed As you probably have heard, the president declaring war on the NFL, saying that anybody who doesn't stand uh, and salute during the playing of the Star-Spangled Banner at a professional football game, anybody, anybody on the field, any players who doesn't do that, should be fired. Uh, Donald Trump uh, sparking a whole round of protests before there was only a handful of players who did so. Yesterday, it was widespread uh, across the field, even the owners uh, joining in. Is that what we want the President of the United States to be worrying about? We'll get into that. Look forward to taking your calls and getting your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll get into all the news of the day with all of you, but first... This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Monday morning. We begin in Germany. German Chancellor Angela Merkel's Christian Democratic Union and its ally party, the Christian Social Union, claimed victory in Sunday's election. This is the fourth time her party has easily locked up a win and it makes her the longest-standing female head of state to date, Angela Merkel, in Germany. A big victory yesterday, Bill. Uh, While while this does make her the longest-standing female head of state to date, only 31% of those elected to Germany's parliament are women. So Germany still has a long way to go. Well, women sort of have a long way to go just internationally when it comes to political positions. But either way... She is remarkable, and she is, uh, without doubt, the leader of the free world. The free world, world, right? No no question whatsoever. So we know all about the protests during the NFL games yesterday in response to Donald Trump's remarks about Colin Kaepernick Friday night in Alabama. How about some musicians reacting to Donald Trump? On Saturday night, Stevie Wonder performing 
at a concert in New York City and taking a knee. In fact, taking two knees for America, which was a powerful moment. Last night, Pharrell Williams performing at the concert for Charlottesville and a a benefit for Charlottesville in Charlottesville. Uh, Pharrell is a Virginia native. He said, if I want to get on my knees right now for the people of my city, for the people of my state, that's what this flag is for. So Pharrell, Stevie Wonder, John Legend... Also making a stand, excuse me, not making a stand yesterday, I guess I should say, taking a knee uh, and making a powerful statement against the president. And then we end on the weekend box office. Uh, A sequel grabbed the top spot at this weekend's American box office as Kingsman, the Golden Circle, brought home $39 million. It's actually $3 million more than the original brought home a couple years back. Uh, still not fantastic numbers for the U.S. box office. The latest animated Lego movie, Ninjago, I believe it's a ninja movie, was a huge disappointment and opened behind Stephen King's horror movie, It, which has been out for several weeks now. Uh, it just just keeps dominating at the box office. Rounding at the top five is American Assassin and Home Again. How about um, Victoria and Abdul? Did that open this weekend? I have no idea what that is. What is that? It is Judy Dench playing oh. Queen Victoria. I'm, I might be interested in that. Uh, uh, I know no. Mother came in six. Are you going to go see Mother? Uh, I heard it's a little weird. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Is that about Mike Pence? On your radio, on TV, and online. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Uh, Donald Trump not happy with taking on uh, Little Rocket Man. Now he has to take on the entire NFL. Hello, everybody. On a Monday, Monday, September 25. How about it? Great to see you today. Thank you so much for getting up early and joining us here on the Bill Press Show. Coast to coast, we're coming at you from Washington, D.C., in our studio right here on Capitol Hill. Good to see all of you today. Thank you so much for joining us and being part of the program. Uh, we're looking at you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Looking at you on Free Speech TV as well. And joining you out in Chicago area on WCPT, the big progressive voice of Chicago. Again, hello, hello, hello. Hope you had a good weekend. Hope you watched a lot of football over the weekend. And hope you stood in solidarity with the NFL players or the NBA players or whatever expressing their rights as Americans uh, to stand or not to stand during the Star Spangled Banner. We'll get into that as just part of the news of the day. Look forward to hearing from you. Your comments on all the news of the day. Uh, at BP Show. We have a great lineup of guests. Maggie Severns is the campaign reporter for Politico, who will be joining us about half an hour from now. Evan McMorris-Santoro from uh, Vice News does their great podcast on Vice News. We'll be here in studio as a friend of Bill for our second hour, and he and I will be joined by sports reporter Lindsey Gibbs, who broke the story uh, about the big uh, NFL protest. Again, lots and lots to talk about today. Our top stories include not just Donald Trump and the NFL, but also Donald Trump trying to save Luther Strange down in Alabama in one of the weirdest campaign rallies uh, ever seen in this country. 
We'll talk about that. John McCain saying one more time he is putting country over party. We'll vote no on the effort to repeal and replace Obamacare, but don't get your hopes up. It is not dead yet because Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski still haven't said how they're going to vote. And, oh my, isn't this embarrassing? Jared Kushner now. The president's son-in-law, little boy in the White House, has been caught with his hands in the cookie jar. Yes, he too has been using a private email server to do official White House business. Shall we start chanting, lock him up, lock him up? Isn't that what Hillary Clinton did? Isn't that what Donald Trump still talks about with Hillary Clinton? Well, now conservatives are saying that you know, it's not a tis. big deal for government no. officials to use no, their no. private emails. You no, know, forget no. it. No, not a big deal. You know what? They say, uh, we'll get into this. Uh, he did it out of convenience. <laughs> See, that sounds familiar. Did we hear that from the former Secretary of State? Okay, yeah. Let's start at the top. I got to say, uh, hats off to um, Mike Allen from Axios who uh, over the weekend, uh, he had put out a list of people that Donald Trump hates. These are the people that Donald Trump has attacked either um, as a candidate or as president on his Twitter account. Uh, They include, of course, women, establishment Republicans, uh, Mitch McConnell um, at various times, uh, Paul Ryan, uh, Hillary Clinton, of course, Jeff Sessions, journalists, pollsters, uh, Gold Star Parents, uh, John McCain, the Freedom Caucus, the cast of Hamilton, uh, Jews after Charlottesville, uh, the Pope, remember, Muslims, immigrants, African Americans, Latinos, of course, LGBT Americans, uh, and Snoop Dogg, uh, among others. Okay, well, now you can add to the list Donald Trump also attacking NFL players, taking time and devoting a big portion of his comments at the big rally Friday night in Alabama on behalf of Luther Strange going out against uh, the NFL players, uh, starting with Colin Kaepernick, um, who refused to stand during the um, national anthem before the game, Uh, Colin Kaepernick kneeling to make a statement. Kaepernick. Kaepernick, I'm sorry. you know, you say Kaepernick, I say Kaepernick. I mean, you know. Tomato, tomato, tomato. tomato, tomato okay, right. all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, to, 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 make a, to make a statement uh, about police brutality, particularly against young, unarmed African-American men in this country, uh, and the fact that the country is so tolerant of it and nothing is being done about it. Um, before, in addition to Kaepernick, it was maybe a handful of people, but not now. At any rate, uh, here's what Donald Trump says ought to happen to any player who doesn't stand proudly at attention during the national anthem. He says down in Alabama, fire the son of a bitch. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired. Yes, I'm sorry, I just want to repeat, this is the president of the United States speaking thusly at a rally in Alabama, right? Let's hear it again. To say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out, he's fired. He's fired! For the last time, this is not primetime television. No. 
This is the most important job in this country. This, this you are the president of the United the States. You represent uh, yeah, every right. single American right. citizen in this country. Right. And uh, this is how you act? This is the uh, man that we put up in front of our school children and say he's our leader. And this is how you should all act and this is how you should all talk. Just like the president of the United States. Out, he's fired. Mm-hmm. He's fired. Yes. Uh, and of course, uh, we'll talk about this. The uh, re- response maybe was just the opposite of what Donald Trump intended because if there's one person uh, who could bring the owners and the players together on anything, it was Donald Trump. And they showed that unity and empathy yesterday. Uh, but Donald Trump arriving back in Washington after a weekend up at his uh, golf course in Bedminster, New Jersey, uh, st- still said that this is very disrespectful for them to do this. Um, they should show respect for the flag. No, not at all. I don't care. They can do whatever they want. I'm just I'm just telling you from my standpoint, I think it's very disrespectful to our country. Yeah, very. They should, Again, Donald Trump saying they can do whatever they want. They should show respect for the flag, again, yesterday when he's arriving uh, in Washington. They're making a lot of money. I'm not begrudging anything. I'm just saying they have to respect our flag and they have to respect our country. Yeah. Now, uh, so what happened, of course, yesterday, we saw uh, a whole wave of protests. Uh, there were many players who did kneel during the national anthem. Uh, there were players who raised their fist during the national anthem, echoes of the 1968 Olympics down in Mexico City. Uh, there were players who sat on the bench. Uh, there were players who, uh, many of them, stood and locked arms with the owners standing right with them. Uh, By the way, I want to say something about that. Yeah. Donald Trump tweeting yesterday, great solidarity for our national anthem and for our country. Standing with locked arms is good. Kneeling is not acceptable. Bad ratings. I'm sorry, you don't get to decide what the proper protest is. Oh, they're well, locking arms because they're disgusted by what you said. Yeah. No. No. He's taken, that's the unity factor. Yeah. He's, they're united against you and what you said. Yeah. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. He's clueless about everything. No. You're right. Absolutely. That was not. <laughs> that was a form of protest that they chose, and Donald Trump just uh, just doesn't get it. And there were many players, two whole teams, of course, in, in the case of three, the Steelers and the Titans and the Seahawks, who didn't even show up on the field. They just stayed, which I thought was a great move. Yes. They just stayed in the locker room, said we're not going to be part uh, of this uh, tra-la-la. Uh, and then, by the way, it's also something that should not get lost in this, that Donald Trump also said in Alabama that the owners were being weenies by um, uh, by too many penalties for rough plays and by pulling people out uh, and by making the game like too easy, totally oblivious or heartless uh, to the incredible, incredible numbers on CTE among former NFL players, including the news just last week, two days, I think, before Donald Trump made his remarks about Aaron Hernandez, only 27 of course, committed suicide in prison where he's serving time for murder, uh, that they said had the most advanced case of CTE that they've ever seen in many, many, in many, many older players. Uh, but Donald Trump saying the NFL is being too soft 
uh, by paying any attention uh, to CTE. But back to this uh, this idea of um, of having to show respect for the flag. Here, here's I think what Donald Trump doesn't get, and what I don't think a lot of Amer- Americans get. Why are we? And this is a pet peeve of mine. Okay, and some of you look, you may not follow me here, and I understand that. But my question is, why are we singing the national anthem anyhow at a professional football game? It has nothing to do with sports. The flag, the United States, waves strongly and stands strongly whether or not the Patriots win or lose or whether the Nats win or lose or whether the Steelers win or lose. It has nothing to do with it. Now, i got to tell you, I stand at the Nats game when they, when they sing the national. If I get there that early, it's always the beginning of the game. Sometimes I'm not there. But I'll stand. I don't make a protest, but I tell you, I resent it. It has nothing to do with me as an American, whether it's a baseball game or a basketball game or a football game. Why are we doing it anyway? It's this attempt to equate sports with the flag, sports with the military, sports with our country. It has nothing to do with it. So I think the sooner that we get rid of the national anthem at professional sports, the better off we'll all be. Should not, don't do not mix the two. And of course, for Donald Trump, he doesn't get that. He is equating how you play the game with whether or not you respect the flag, which is insane, totally insane. And by the way, this has already been decided. It was decided a long time ago. The Washington Post Post points this out. In fact, it's a history that I really wasn't aware of. Uh, Back in 1943, during World War II, is where they um, uh, ask schoolchildren for the first time to stand up and do the Pledge of Allegiance. Address the flag, I pledge allegiance to the flag, boom, boom, boom. And in West Virginia, there was a case where Jehovah's Witnesses said their faith tells them that that was, um, and the flag was an image, and according to their religious beliefs, their children were forbidden by their faith to salute an image. Uh, it was against their faith. That case went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court voted 6-3 to three that people should not be forced to salute the flag or stand for the flag or stand for the national anthem. Here it is. Justice Robert Jackson wrote the majority opinion who said this, to believe that patriotism will not flourish if patriotic ceremonies are voluntary instead of compulsory is to make an unflattering estimate of the appeal of our institutions to free minds. Yeah. So, fine. If you want to stand, you want to stand. If you don't want to stand, you don't want to stand. If the flag for so, so, flag has nothing to do with sports, okay? nothing to do with football, nothing to do with bas- baseball, nothing to do with basketball. But if the flag stands for anything, it stands for the right not to stand. Don't you get that, Donald Trump? Don't the, I, I think the American people get that. And he's calling on people to boycott the NFL. You really think that's going to work? No. No. To, to me, to stay away from these games. To me, this is the same exact thing as the right to vote. 
And we'll go back to the 2016 election because there were a lot of people who chose not to vote at all. Which, yes, looking back, I wish that they had voted for Hillary Clinton instead of sitting it out entirely or voting for Jill Stein or Gary Johnson, right? But that's your right as an American to decide whether or not you'd like to cast your vote. It is incredibly lucky that we have this, you know, democratic country where we are able to have the ability to vote. But you can also say, I don't want to vote. I, I'm going to sit this one out because it's my right as an American to do so. No. Nope. Agreed. I mean, I think it's dumb as hell not to vote. I hate people who don't vote. Yeah. But it's their right as an American. Right. Uh, and by the, again, get get got oops, careful. Get the damn national anthem out of the out of the stadium. It doesn't belong there. Come on. Okay. I mean, don't don't equate the flag and the national Washington Nationals or the Yankees or anybody else. That's that is that's an insult to the flag to tell the truth. But if they're going to do it, then people can choose where they stand or not. By the way, just to show uh, how, uh, uh, well, you know, you've heard me talk before about Steve Mnuchin. He is the one cabinet member uh, that I think is the worst of all that Donald Trump appointed. And that's really saying something. I mean, Donald Trump has some, did appoint some good people around him. I think Mattis, Defense Secretary, is good. McMaster at Homeland Security, is, is, at, at, uh, National Security Advisor, is a good man. Uh, <clears throat> don't ask me about Rick Perry or Ben Carson. But Steve, they don't really count. But Steve Mnuchin is just a big suck-up. He is in there like Donald Trump is, just for the money and for the glory. And so he, of all people, goes out yesterday on national television to take Donald Trump's stand on the NFL players. And here is what Steve Mnuchin says these players ought to do. This isn't about Democrats. It's not about Republicans. It's not about race. It's not about free speech. They can do free speech on their own time. That this is about respect for the military and the first responders and the country. Uh, well, first of all, it has nothing to do, again, it has nothing to do with respect for the military. Nothing to do with respect for first responders. But I want to speak to, they can do free, think about this, they can do free speech on their own time. That's his take on the Constitution. Uh, oh, yeah, we believe in free speech, but uh-uh, no, not only on their own time, right? Uh, not most of the time, not when they're going to a Trump rally, or not when they're going to a ball game. No, 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 it's just like, yeah, freedom of religion. This, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we believe in freedom of religion, but you know, we should not. Uh, no, if we should not. Uh, that uh, only on their own time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Freedom of speech only on their own time. Liberty only on their own time. I mean, that whole concept, right? That we can force you not to exercise your free speech at a football game, but on your own time at home in the privacy of your room. You still have freedom of expression, freedom of speech, and freedom of religion in the privacy of your own home. It's not about race. It is about race, though. It's about institutional well, racism, way, which is the one thing that, that we should be including in this discussion. Uh, thank is you. Why yes. this protest began in the first place? In because Ala Afri Afri wait, go in ahead. Alabama. In Alabama, sure. Why did he go to Alabama for this? Because the majority of the football players are African American. Not one owner, by the way, is African American. Not one of them. And he goes to Alabama and says that these NFL players ought to be fired. 
he knows that in Alabama, most of his supporters think that firing an African-American is not strong enough. They would rather see some other punishment, and you know what I'm talking about. This protest began because African-American athletes, along with African-Americans all over this country, no matter whether they play professional sports or not, feel as though that systematic racism, institutionalized racism, is still a serious problem in this country. And I completely agree. I 100% agree, and we need to continue talking about it. And if some of these Trump supporters, most of whom are white, refuse to talk about it, then keep going. Keep the protest going. But Donald Trump knew what he was doing when he went to Alabama to make that statement in front of that whole white, entire white crowd, 7,500 people in Alabama. Uh, I think what we've seen here, let's just cut right to the chase. And Donald Trump trying to, you know what? Every racist before him, every slave owner, former slave owner in this country, every one of them did the same thing. They try to wrap their patriotism, wrap their racism, rather, in the American flag. That's exactly what's going on by all this stuff about they have to respect the flag. Donald Trump, Halloween came a little early this year. Donald Trump is a racist disguised as a patriot. That's that's the bottom line. That's what we saw. Your comments on Twitter. At VP Show. There is some other news of the day. Of course, John McCain, once again, God love him. Uh, And, you know, I'm critical of John McCain when he deserves it. But when he does something right, give him credit for the second time. It looks like uh, John McCain is going to save the day on the repeal of Obamacare, although it ain't over yet. I'll get to that in a second. But once again, John McCain has stood up and said he is could not in good conscience vote for this bill. Uh, he did that the last time. He did it this time. He is once again putting country over his party, uh, which I give him uh, all the credit, all the credit possible. Uh, shown he does have a, a man who does have a conscience and does have some backbone. Uh, that means Rand Paul and John McCain, two votes against it. So they're down to 50. Mike Pence could still break the tie, but don't break out the champagne yet. Don't do the victory dance yet. Don't spike the football yet because we still haven't heard definitively from Susan Collins. We still haven't heard definitively from Lisa Murkowski. Ted Cruz says at this point he is not a yes vote, but who knows? I wouldn't count on Ted Cruz. He says Mike Lee is not yet a yes vote, but who knows? And what Lindsey Graham and... um, Bill Cassidy, the authors of the uh, latest Repeal and Replace with Nothing bill, uh, are, in, are going to announce today is they're revising, they're revising their bill to give more money to Alaska and Maine in order to try to buy off Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins. Uh, Jamie, I'm sorry, I know she's your senator, but I'd respect Susan Collins a lot more if she just came out and said, no. I voted no the first time, and I'm not going to vote for this damn bill. So stop trying to buy me off. You know who they dragged to Washington on Friday? Governor Paul Paul LePage hanging out with Mike Pence in his office. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, honestly, I I, I don't think that Susan Collins likes Paul LePage at all as a human being. And I don't think that his sway is going to move her to vote yes. But... I wish that she had come out more for- forcefully on the Sunday show. No, no, she no. had an opportunity to, and she didn't. No, here's the best that she did. Here's the best that, that, that she could say. Serious reservations. 
it's very difficult for me to envision a scenario, a scenario where I would end up voting for this bill. I have a number of serious reservations about it. Oh, come on, Senator Collins. You voted no the first time. Just say you're going to vote no. Please vote no. And don't let them try to buy you off with more money in the short term for Maine. And by the way, don't believe anything that your insane governor, Paula Page, says. Uh, One final point. We should um, note that um, Donald Trump went to Alabama, the ostensible purpose, was to stump for Luther Strange, who is at this point 11 points, the last poll that I, poll that I saw, 11 points behind Roy Moore. How bad is Roy Moore? Well, CNN dug up something that Roy Moore, Roy Moore said back in 2005 in an interview that he gave on C-SPAN with none other than me, yours truly, where uh, I interviewed Roy Moore on his uh, latest book uh, and in which he said uh, some nasty things about LGBT Americans. And I asked him outright whether or not homosexuality should be against the law. Uh, CNN put this up, dug it up. I'd forgotten he said this. Uh, from this interview, we brought on this up on the show a couple of weeks we ago. We did. By we the said way. you ought to check out that interview. Andrew DeSiderio was here, and I yeah. was just trying to find the part where you two got really heated. Yeah, and of course skipped over this part, which is the real gold this, in the interview. So this, shout out to CNN. This this, is, they're no, pros at this, right? Here he is. Here, so um, I'm uh, quizzing Roy Moore, 2005. Sure. I think it's a yes or no. Do you think that homosexual, homosexuality, or homosexual conduct should be illegal today. That's a yes or no question. Homosexual conduct should be should be illegal. Yes. Should be illegal. Yes. 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 Flat out. Homosexual conduct should be illegal. And I followed up. Is that what you're really saying, right? This is two consenting adults. Doesn't make any difference to Roy Moore. That means that what two consenting adults do behind the privacy of their bedroom, closed bedroom door should be illegal activity? It is immoral. It is defined by the law as detestable. It was against the law in most states until the Supreme Court in Lawrence v. Texas said that it wasn't. There he is. And this is the man uh, that the Republican Party uh, tomorrow is probably going to nominate as a Republican candidate for Senate in Alabama. Uh, And Donald Trump, who went down to campaign for Luther Strange, also, that's what I said, it was the weirdest campaign rally I ever saw, also said that if the man I'm here to support loses, of course, I'm going to come down here and do all that I can to make sure that his opponent, Roy Moore, is the next senator from Alabama. Roy Moore probably will win tomorrow, will have the support of Donald Trump. Could make it interesting for the Democrat if Ray Moore wins that uh, Republican side yeah. primary. So. A- absolutely. Although I hate to, uh, I hate to uh, admit that Roy Moore's statement about homosexuality should be illegal may actually help him in Alabama. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that's why Donald Trump went down there. All right, we move right along. Maggie Severance joins us next. 
political reporter for Politico. We'll talk more about that uh, Alabama race and about some interesting news that uh, camp, uh, congressional staffers may be um, doing some uh, interesting stock trades based on legislation in front of their committees. All of that coming up here on the Bill Press Show. Uh, we're not participating in the anthem today. Not to be disrespectful to the anthem, to remove ourselves from this circumstance. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, 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 yes. Here we go, Monday, September 25. And again, my question is not should they sit or stand or kneel during the Star Spangled Banner, but what are they doing playing the Star Spangled Banner at a football game? Anyhow, uh, nothing to do with my patriotism, whether or not the Steelers win or lose. Hello, everybody. It's The Bill Press Show. Nice to see you today. Thank you so much for joining us as we boom out to you from our studio here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. And with all the news of the day, where we are brought to you today by the International uh, Union of Iron Workers. Yes, indeed. Uh, The Iron Workers Union under President, men and women of the Iron Workers under President Eric Dean. They are building our communities today and they are ready to rebuild America's infrastructure tomorrow. Uh, Check out their good work at their website, www.ironworkers.org. We salute them, thank them for the support of the program, Uh, and welcome to the studio. Maggie Severns is campaign reporter for The Great Politico, joining us earlier this morning. Hi, Maggie. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me, Bill. Thanks for coming in. Before we get started, Jamie wants to bring us up to date. We always ask people their comments on the news of the day uh, on Twitter, at BP Show. Bill, you're fired up. I'm fired up. Uh, so are our Twitter followers and those in the chat room on Twitter at BP Show on YouTube, youtube.com backslash The Bill Press Show. C.W. O'Connor on Twitter says, Bill is right. Equating flag with sport or any business is lunacy. KG1 says, U.S. military has become wedded to sporting events. It's one of their recruitment tools. And well, But that's fine, but we don't have to fall for that. We don't. I mean, seriously. Then that's win or lose has nothing to do with the U.S. Army, Navy, Air Force, or whatever, or the flag, or this country, or, you know. Yeah, I love this country, but, you know, I hate the Yankees. So (laughs) We also have a poll up on our Twitter. Do you think the national anthem should be played at professional sports games? Let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and click no on my account. Oh, yeah, 54% of you so far say no. 19% say yes. 27% say don't care. So some of you just don't care about this issue whatsoever by the way donald trump it's kind of a good time to go out and get a hot dog it, it is <laughs> if you're there that early but we are on twitter at bp show keep those comments coming donald trump is on twitter at real donald trump <laughs> yes he yes. tweeted just a few minutes ago so proud of nascar and its supporters and fans they won't put up with disrespecting our country or our flag they said it loud or clear donald trump yesterday by the way tweeting about the nhl finding sports that uh, don't have many african-american players among their ranks NASCAR, a similar situation here. He also tweeted about four minutes ago, many people booed the players who kneeled yesterday, which was a small percentage of total. These are fans who demand respect for our flag. He is right. 
Uh, unfortunately, a lot of my fellow New England Patriots fans did boo the players uh, that that kneeled uh, at Foxborough in mass. Uh, did in they leave? No, no, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know how much it costs to get in one of those games? Yeah, right. They're not going to leave. Yeah. No. <laughs> By the way, Jamie, how many, other than Colin Kaepernick, how many players like total had knelt during the anthem before Donald Trump's blast? It's a small percentage, right? I mean, a handful. Yeah. Right? A couple, a couple of the Seahawks. Um, yeah. I know I'm missing some others. But so in fact, one of the Patriots was, was pretty early. Devin McCourty on it as well. Uh, and um, I forget his name uh, from uh, uh, the uh, either the Giants or the A's yesterday. Was one major league pl- uh, baseball player. One of the players for the one. Oakland A's. One. Yeah, I forget one. his name as well. One. Of all of the teams. By the way, we didn't even talk about Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors. We, the, you know, that that whole thing when Donald Trump went after him on Saturday morning. Yes. And, now the Warriors aren't going to the White House. And disinvited the Warriors from the the White House. Even though they were when, really the ones that said we're not going to come. Yeah, they had already said they weren't going to yeah. come. So, all right, yeah, sports dominating news today, uh, and but there's still lots of political news. Maggie, again, it's good to see you. So you've you had a great story about. Um, but first of all, let's go back to your earlier story sure. a month or so ago, right, about members of Congress who were doing some stock, questionable stock trades. Yeah. So this is a pair of investigations that we've done at Politico that were kind of spurred by the news earlier this year that Tom Price, who is now HHS secretary, had done a number of <laughs> trades in healthcare stocks while he was working on the House Energy and Commerce Committee, which oversees healthcare. Uh, We decided first we did a review of lawmakers to see how many lawmakers there were in the House and the Senate who did kind of similar trades where they were buying and selling stocks or writing bills. They're actually publicly disclosed. Uh, People just don't tend to look at them. So, you know, if I buy a stock. Oh, for them. If, for a lawmaker, they, yes. Lawmaker. Not for our, our public if, if <laughs> our they, finances right. aren't all public. If they but, do any stock trade, yeah. it is public. Okay. So since 2012, they've had to file these filings publicly. They're hard to kind of deal with. They're hard to search. A lot of kind of critics and watchdogs say that that is so that people don't look at this information and don't spend too much time seeing, you know, who sold a healthcare stock right before they pulled the latest healthcare bill, or who's you know mm-hmm. loading up on energy stocks before there's legislation that passes that's beneficial to the energy companies? Um, and you know we found earlier this year a number of lawmakers who seem to kind of do trades that where there's at least an overlap or you know a conflict of interest there with their legislating. What we have out this morning is well, a review let me, of aids. Let me oh just yeah, stop you there, right? Of course. Okay, so what if you find that Tom Price uh, knew? Let's say that um, Obamacare was going to be whatever, something was going to happen, which would help health insurance companies. Mm -hmm. And he went out and bought a bunch of health insurance company Mm -hmm. stock. Uh, That's sort of insider trading, isn't it? Well, so that's where you start wading into the massive um, gray area with rules and with laws around all this stuff. You know, if there was actual insider trading, the SEC could investigate. And you'd have to be able to prove that someone knew about this and then made the trade based on that knowledge so to benefit themselves. So it's the SEC who's the watchdog? So the SEC is a watchdog here, but the SEC is also in a lot of ways prevented from- going after Congress. Congress has certain protections that, you know, help lawmakers 
keep their, you know, their free speech and help keep them being kind of persecuted from being persecuted by other branches of government. So it's actually fairly hard for the SEC to pursue this. And there are rules that Congress could make for itself. Would the Senate Ethics Committee jump in? Yeah, with the House or Senate Ethics Committee could easily make rules saying, you know, you should not be holding these kinds of conflicts of interest. But Congress, unsurprisingly, has been a little hesitant to regulate itself that way. The executive branch You know, if you are working at an agency or if you're a cabinet secretary, you have to divest yourself of any holdings that could pose a conflict of interest like this. Unless you're president of the United States. Unless you're, yeah. It's it's funny how the people who write the bill and sign the bill tend to be exempt from rules like this. And the people who don't, um, you know, can do basically whatever they want so long as they aren't insider trading. Right. Uh, And so when... It wasn't just Tom. You found it was not just Tom Price. Again, we're still talking about the legislators Mm -hmm. who were uh, doing some uh, questionable or unusual stock trades. Yeah. How how many members? House and Senate lawmakers from both sides of the aisle. You know, there are kind of in the big picture, we found, you know, dozens of lawmakers that have made a trade or a couple trades in stocks. But there are also lawmakers that more regularly trade, you know, dozens of stocks a year that have business before their committee. So it's a problem that's kind of concentrated, I would say, to a few people who choose not to do much to divest their holdings. But it's still that doesn't um, it's not like every member of Congress is doing this, but it was when I ran it by folks who are ethics experts and other people, they see a need for there to be a change here. It's something that people really like to kind of sweep over the rung and not well, talk about. Yeah. I mean, I think most of us live under the impression, which I guess you're telling us is uh, naive, that you're elected to Congress, um, that they're doing their job, they're representing the American people, doing what's best for the country. They're not, when they see a piece of legislation, they're not thinking, ka-ching, ka-ching, how can I, I make money off this? Or they're not taking the time to be buying and selling stocks. Yeah. I, mean, and- I, did, I, I didn't, how do they have that much time? I don't have that much time. You know, I have a <laughs> financial advisor and, you know, with mutual funds or whatever, and they do all of that. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, of course. And a lot of these people do have financial advisors. I think kind of the question is, you know, are you picking up the phone and calling your financial advisor every so often and saying, hey, maybe. Yeah, maybe we just had a hearing on uh, X, uh, you know, like natural gas and. We're going to we're going to pass a bill that's going to allow more fracking. And so let's buy some stock in companies that are out there fracking. Yeah. And, you know, no doubt most, if not all lawmakers are circling back to what you said a moment ago, you know, in office to try and do good work and do good legislation. I think that the issue when I've talked to lawmakers about this and other people who have really been watching this issue for a while is that once you've been in office for a while, you might think that you're um, – almost kind of ethically immune, you know, that because you aren't trying to do anything bad or because, you know, you aren't there for nefarious reasons, there isn't a potential for some kind of ethical lapse or there isn't a potential to, you know, make a decision based on a bad set of circumstances. So it's not necessarily, you know, everyone is arriving to Congress to make money. A lot of people can make a lot more money in the private sector, but there, there aren't proper protections in place and there are huge opportunities for someone to make a decision that's not right, I think, in the eyes of most voters. And All right. Taxpayers. So now we go to your latest story, right? Yeah. Which is that this practice may not be limited to the members, but beyond to staffers. 
Yeah. So staff on Capitol Hill, if you're a senior aid, that means you make above a certain income threshold. You also have to disclose your stocks. Now, those are kind of more difficult to find. You actually have to go to these kind of strange public records offices in the House and the Senate, but you can pull up um, what staff have been doing with their stock trades. And we found that there are a lot of staff, including people who work for leadership, people who work for important committees and for key members of Congress, who also have active stock portfolios that at times the trades, there's a connection between the trades and the work that they're doing. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's insider trading or that you know people are there just trying to turn a buck, but that there are these huge potentials for an ethical lapse and very few rules or regulations or laws preventing people from doing this kind of activity. How widespread among staffers? So are these committees staffers or, you know, there's some some staff obviously who work for the, the committee and the others mm-hmm. who work for the members, but mm-hmm. you're talking both? We found both, yeah, and people who work for members of leadership as well in the House. Um, so there are about 12,000... 12,000 staffers who are at this kind of senior level on the Hill. Wow. Um, and sorry, 12, <laughs> there are a lot of, lot of people over there. Yeah. Um, we found about 450 people who have made one or more stock trade in recent years. But then a kind of starting to call that group a little bit more, we found more than a dozen aides each on the House and Senate Appropriations Committees who have made multiple stock trades over the last. We did like yeah. a two-year review. We found... I think five or six aides on energy and commerce who have bought or sold a stock that's in healthcare or energy, which are kind of the two main committees that that the two main issues that that committee oversees. And then there are also a handful of folks who work for really important people in the House who also have active stock portfolios and haven't kind of done something like set up a blind trust or put your money in mutual funds or done these other things that shields you from having these potential conflicts of interest. Wow. Yeah. Uh, now, has this uh, practice brought a bit? Have any have any mem- has any member shown enough interest in your story or in this practice that they said maybe we're going to do something about this? <laughs> you know, it's funny because there's there's interest, and this is an issue that people kind of have known about for. Like I said, people don't love to talk about it, but there's yeah, a, it's an yeah. issue that people have known about for a while. I think that because this is an issue that kind of affects people across the board. It's not something that one party or one lawmaker has been eager to take up because people don't always love the lawmaker who's talking about ethics reform. So there are kind of bills and ideas being shopped around the Hill. I know there are some lawmakers who have an interest. You know, Louis Slaughter has long been a champion for these kinds of issues. Um, Tim Walls in the House is also Mm -hmm. really interested in this kind of stuff. But until things kind of get until there's so much attention that Congress can't not act on something like this, they tend to kind of sit around and things tend to ruminate sometimes for years and years. Well, um, it's interesting because there is so much, um, I think, uh, public interest in and um, and discuss with insider trading if it's like people on Wall Street, right? Mm-hmm. When you hear about these stories. And people go to jail right, yeah. for insider trading. But if it's insider trading on members of Congress, you, think, you might think there'd be even more outrage. But it's going on and... Yeah, so nothing's was, being done about it. <laughs> it is, you know, like I said, it's there's this kind of wave, there's this cycle in Washington where scandal, you know, once scandals hit a certain point, you tend to get reform. So like Jack Abramoff was the last time we really saw something like yeah. that. There was also in 2011 there was a big 60 Minutes report that found that Nancy Pelosi and some other lawmakers had been trading stocks really regularly, and then there was a lot of a lot of anger, and Congress very quickly passed 
a bill to kind of curb this stock trading. The problem is that the bill was a little bit less than meets the eye and had it didn't do as much to regulate this as people hoped it would and thought it would. So it's kind of an issue that's always kind of simmering in the background. And I think that when people really pay attention and see what's going on, it's something that they really care about. But it's kind of easy for Congress to coast along when they aren't. Yeah. I think it's a very, very important issue. And uh, congratulations to you for digging it out. And I hope you you and your colleagues at Politico will, will stay on top of it. I mean, just members of Congress should not be doing insider trading. And that's what this is. It's, ins- it's using the information that they get from a private hearing or a public hearing uh, to try to, you know, line their own pockets. Right. Stinks. Thank you for doing that. Now, I want to ask you about Alabama. Yeah. Um, you, you, I don't know if you've been down there, but you certainly have followed it. Um, what's your take uh, on the outcome tomorrow? The last poll that I saw uh, Roy Moore was up 11 points over Luther Strange. It's, uh, uh, was Donald Trump's appearance last Friday enough to reverse <laughs> that well, trend? The pre- it wasn't the the president's yeah first um, first comments on Alabama, where as we know, I think that you know seeing what's going on down there. One thing to keep in mind is that polls, state like single state polls, can be notoriously unreliable. Another yeah, is that Luther right. Strange has been kind of closing on more in recent weeks. But what does that mm-hmm. mean heading in tomorrow? I mean, honestly, I think it's anyone's anyone's guess. Obviously, Trump and folks in Washington have spent you know tremendous capital, both political capital and actual money, helping kind of push Luther Strange down in the state. But on Friday, you know, the president didn't seem to. I don't want to say that he didn't seem to care. I don't want to kind of put words in his mouth, but he's kind of, you know, also pulled back his <laughs> pulled back his support a little bit. He isn't, you know. It was the strangest campaign rally I've ever seen where he he went down there and and did endorse Luther Strange, but also said, "But I'll be here to campaign for Roy Moore." Yeah, and every <laughs> which, you know, to be clear, this goes without saying, but there is no. basically no general election in this election. You know, after tomorrow, whoever wins, it's Alabama is a deep red state, and whoever wins is uh, most likely going to be the next senator. Uh, Doug Jones, that's his name. There, I was going almost, I almost went there, but I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to start rambling. There there's is been a so many times where I, I can't remember what his name is. Doug Jones. <laughs> Well, and Doug Which Jones, is a bad really, thing. you know, he's a lawyer. He's someone who seems very competent. He hasn't really caught that um, zeitgeist that John Ossoff caught. And he's in a yeah. much tougher race. This would be a right. very, very difficult race for a Democrat to win. Right. Now, th- there are two things about this. Number one is when you look at these two candidates, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think Roy Moore is despicable, you know, given his history, given what he told me. Um, in an interview back in 2005 that he thinks homosexuality should be illegal, mm-hmm. not only immoral, it should be illegal. People should be locked up, right? I mean, so there we go. Ellen DeGeneres is in jail, right, you know, or whatever. Uh, Anderson Cooper's in jail. Um, Don Lemon in jail. I mean, that's, that's Roy Moore. That's Roy Moore's America. Um, but when you look at Roy Moore and Luther Strange, Roy Moore is the Donald Trump of this race, isn't he? I mean, Luther Strange is the establishment Republican. He was a Washington lobbyist. 
Well, that's kind of that one he's of the, the Mitch fascinating. Mitch McConnell candidate. He's uh, yeah, it's he's it's a fascinating dynamic because you know Trump kind of like it or not, and I think we've seen the president. You know, again, you can't. I'm not trying to put assume I know his thoughts, but you've seen him wrestle with this a little bit in that it's he needs to get he wants to get his agenda through Congress. And to do that, having Luther Strange in the Senate is going to help because Luther Strange is going to vote for the health care bill or the tax bill or whatever Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump are trying to move. So the president kind of like it or not is part of the establishment for this. Obviously, the president does not like to or necessarily kind of associate himself with the establishment. So there's this difference between kind of practically what he needs and the candidate who is maybe a little bit more his political style. Right. Uh, (laughs) So uh, reluctantly, perhaps, he's supporting Luther Strange. Uh, Let's say that what it goes the way we think it's going to go tomorrow. Mm -hmm. what does what impact? Uh, now I'm asking you as a c- campaign reporter. Mm-hmm. Does that have on? So if if Luther Strange does lose, you know Donald Trump, no coattails or very little coattails. What impact will that have on races in 2018 among Republicans? It'll mean they're more likely to distance themselves from Donald Trump. Will it mean that there are more Roy Moores out there who are going to be challenging? establishment Republicans? Or how, how do you see it playing out? Yeah, you know, there are all these w- weird ways that this plays out, kind of depending on what you're how you're viewing Roy Moore and Luther Strange. And what I mean by that is that I don't think you're going to see people really placing distance from themselves from between themselves and the president. Um, but maybe it does kind of have a little bit of a lesson on what the president's support is worth and kind of how the president will use that support. You know, if he's also kind of wish-washing on some candidates during the midterms, that's not quite as powerful as him kind of bringing the fire and the fury that he's promised against people like Jeff Flake. Um, on the other hand, you know, it's you can't put too much stock in special elections. People always say that. And it's, you know, we all watch these things so closely and it's we're still a long way from the midterms. Um, but we have already seen candidates that are getting into races being really eager to kind of brand themselves in a Trump-like way, even if they aren't really Trump-like people. Um, Todd Rakita in Indiana is a good example of that. He's running in the primary for Senate. He's a representative who's pretty, you know, proud of his support for Trump. He talks a lot about having come out early for Trump. You know, Josh Mandel, who's the Senate candidate challenging Sherrod Brown in Ohio, he was someone who immediately kind of talked about draining the swamp from the moment he has launched his campaign and is trying to pick up that Trump mantle. So I think a big question here for Republicans is kind of can anyone be that Trump candidate? Who are the most vulnerable Republican senators? The most vulnerable Republican senators? I, uh, I think up for that, re-election. Yeah. Um, you know, Jeff Flake in Arizona and Dean Heller in Nevada are kind of the two that everyone's really watching. There are a lot of vulnerable Democrats this cycle, but not as many Republicans. Will Donald Trump uh, support a candidate against Jeff Flake? He's said that he would is planning on it. And there are multiple candidates kind of waiting, you know, who are either planning to primary Jeff Flake or or want to. So, you know, the issue in Arizona is that Kelly Ward, who's kind of the chief challenger to Jeff Flake, is not a super strong candidate. So I'm not sure there if Trump's support is really going to be enough to make her the next senator from Arizona. Uh, And so Dean Heller, um, uh, one of the more vulnerable, Mm -hmm. puts his name on the health care repeal bill, which looks like it's It's the Graham-Cassidy-Heller-Johnson bill. Yeah. Just in case you forgot. Right. He's 
Right, one of the sponsors. Yeah, you know, you got to feel for Dean Heller because he's walking an incredibly <laughs> tight. I mean, it he's is a tightrope that he is watching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, and but, his governor's come out against it. He's uh, yeah, and it's uh, he's been in a number of kind of lose lose situations as his party kind of has yeah. this struggle over health care. It's funny because the Democrats, who you really, you know, you have all these vulnerable Democrats who you at the start of the year Republicans really thought they could put in a tough tough spot. Yeah. And they haven't been, you know, there's enough feuding among the Republicans to really keep, you know, Dean Heller in the spotlight, but not as much with someone like Jared Brown or other folks who might have to make tough decisions, but really haven't had to. Yeah. Well, Maggie, it's an interesting time. You know, this is not a campaign year. There's a lot of political, political yeah, and yet here we are. activity. And yet here <laughs> we are. Thanks so much for coming in this morning. Yeah, thanks for having Maggie me, Bill. And all of our great colleagues at Politico, Politico.com. And the great Evan McMorris Santoro joining us as a friend of Bill. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Donald Trump insists we have to stand at attention during the national anthem. I ask, why are we playing the damn national anthem anyhow at a football game? What do you say? Hello, everybody. It is uh, Monday, September 25. This is The Bill Press Show. Good to see you today. Hope you had a great weekend. I'm ready to dive into all the news of the day here on the Bill Press Show. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and we have a special treat for you this hour uh, just to help me through, uh, help us through, help you through the whole hour with all the breaking news of the day. I gotta tell you, it is never dull around Trumpville, man. Every day has more, there's an overload, embarrassment of riches of stories. Evan McMorris-Santoro from Vice News, uh, which, and you see him with his podcast every Weeknight at 7.30 p.m. on HBO. HBO. I didn't know it was a us. podcast. It, it, it's not a podcast. It's, oh, it's just a regular, that. it's a television show on HBO. Oh, it's a television show. Who calls yes. everything a podcast I do. Now. But yeah. honestly, podcasts are very cool. I mean, I, 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 I used we to have, have one. one. No, I liked it a lot. We have one. I know. Right. I know. Right. I download no, yours all the time. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to down downplay didn't, I don't down, think, I think it might have been upgraded. I mean, right now I'm behind a very thick paywall of premium cable. <laughs> but you do get the deuce, which people really like a lot, the new David Simon show. So buy, so buy the deuce, and you can right, also David. watch my show, 7.30 right. p.m. HBO. Hey, it's good to see you. Good to see you too, Bill. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, and all the top stories of the day. Yes, uh, Donald Trump's war on the NFL. Fire those sons of bitches, he says. Um, all of whom, most of whom, happen to be African Americans, of course. And he made that statement in Alabama, of all places. Uh, yes, in the big primary tomorrow in Alabama between Roy Moore, who told me back in 2005, Roy Moore and Luther Strange, Roy Moore, who told me back in 2005 that all gays should be locked up, homosexuality should be illegal. Oh, my God. 
We'll jump into it all, oh, Evan. But first, this is the full court press. <laughs> Just a couple of other stories for you on this Monday morning. We begin with Valerie Plame Wilson, the former CIA agent whose identity was leaked by members of the George W. Bush administration. She resigned from her board position at the Plowshares Fund yesterday after tweeting a controversial article titled, America's Jews are driving America's wars. Wilson tweeted that article on Thursday and initially defended her decision, asking her followers to read the article with an open mind and put aside biases. On Sunday, she finally released an appropriate statement as she announced her resignation. Quote, I take full responsibility for my thoughtless and hurtful actions, and there are no excuses for what I did. Simple Twitter search of Valerie Plame Wilson's uh, Twitter account will reveal that she has tweeted some awful things about Jews in the past as well. So uh, I don't think that this is a new thing for Valerie Plame Wilson. This is a truly bizarre story. I watch this all unfold. And I have to say, actually, her final statement was not actually a good statement. Her last statement claimed she hadn't read the whole article after in her previous tweet she had said, I read the whole thing and you should too. But did she retweet it or she wrote the article? She retweeted it. Oh. And it was a very anti-Semitic article, essentially saying that <clears throat> if you, that we should um, make it clear if a person is talking about the Middle East and politics there, if they're Jewish, that we should make it clear that they are because there's a natural bias there. Oh, this is sad. It's in the title. It's very sad. America's this Jews sad. are driving America's wars. Because I know Joe and Valerie, I had lunch with them the last time I was in Santa Fe, and uh, this is really sad. All right, moving on to more of the mm. anthem news. New England Patriots quarterback and noted friend of Donald Trump, Tom Brady, has weighed in on the president's comments about NFL players' anthem protests. Uh, this morning, early this morning on WEEI in Boston, Tom Brady said, quote, Yeah, I certainly disagree with what he said. I thought it was just divisive. During the anthem in Foxborough, Mass. on Sunday afternoon, Brady locked arms with his teammates. Head coach Bill Belichick, another friend of Trump's, stood by himself with his hand on his heart. Brady, in in that interview with WEEI this morning, continued by saying, The one thing about football is it brings so many guys together. Guys, you would never have the opportunity to be around. So, finally, Tom Brady doing something right. And Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, uh, a big Trump supporter. Yeah. Uh, and big Trump donor is saying he totally disagreed with Donald Trump as well. We'll continue with Evan McMorris and Toro. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Hey, what do you say? Here we go on a Monday, Monday, September 25. Uh, it is the Bill Press Show, and it's good to see you today with all the news of the day and uh, Donald Trump's big war on uh, particularly uh, the NFL players and owners, uh, he says, wimping out in two ways. Number one, uh, they let them protest uh, and not stand during the national anthem, and they should fire all the sons of bitches. And number two, they're making football such an easy game uh, by doing anything at all about uh, the fact that uh, so many players are getting concussions and Donald Trump says, yeah, they ought to forget about, uh, forget about that. And uh, yeah, CTE, it's no problem. He hasn't said that, but that's the impact of his statements. Uh, we got lots to talk about today. And Evan McMorris-Santoro joins us from Vice News and uh, the host of the uh, 
Evan McMorris show, whatever, uh, <laughs> on HBO at 7.30 p.m. What is the name of it's, it? Okay, the show is called Vice News Tonight. I am one oh. of many correspondents on it. Uh, it is, it's a, it's a very it good show. Uh, yes. Best known for our special episode on Charlottesville yes, that is. my colleague Ellie Reeve did. Uh, that was one of the truly strongest pieces of journalism done in the past year, at least. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No. yeah. So, uh, Evan, the, the Donald Trump is tweeting this morning. He cannot stop. Oh, boy, I had them up in my phone, and now they are gone, so it just take me a little bit to retreat them. No problem. Uh, it talks about how beautiful the White House was coming uh, back last night. He praised night. NASCAR. I have something to, to start that, but you know, before we talk about yes. sports, I have something to say, that oh. just to sort of like, lest we, our listeners, believe that you are biased in this area, I was snooping around your office while I was waiting to come on, and I discovered, lo and behold, former Republican football great Jack Kemp signed a football to you saying, <laughs> with admiration... Jack Kemp, this is, a, this is a football signed by a Republican. So I think that you are a, a, in a very good position to talk about this. I don't know when that happened or what the circumstances were, but there was at some point that a Republican football player had a lot of admiration for you. Uh, well, thank you for pointing that out. Jack Kemp, actually, uh, I, I knew him pretty well through the crossfire days. Yeah. Uh, and that football came because I ran into him in Fox News, at Fox News, in the green room. Yeah. We hadn't seen each other maybe in about a year, and uh, we, had, you know, we just had a good time. And the next thing I knew, uh, this football arrives. It's pretty cool. Signed by, signed by Jack, Jack Kemp. He says by uh, old number fifteen, Jack uh, Kemp. Right. Yeah. Hashtag sports. That's it. So this morning, uh, Donald Trump uh, ish, uh, issuing this uh, just twenty-eight minutes ago. The issue of kneeling has nothing to do with race. Just so happens that most of the players are African American. He has nothing to do with race. It is about respect for our country, flag, and national anthem. So my question to you is: It really about is football really about the flag and patriotism and our country and the national anthem? Well, let's just dial it back to like one of the oldest, uh, you know, known facts about politics, which is the old "if you're explaining, you're losing." Right? This is the second time in the past 24 hours the president has had to say this isn't about race, and the more he has to say that, the more people are going to be. Mm, I don't know. This that sounds kind of weird. Why are you having to say that so much? Uh, this is a league that is, um, I believe, something like se- the players are 70 percent, if not more, African American. The protest that uh, kicked this whole thing off was based on, um, you know, the explosion of video evidence of police misconduct against African-American people in this country. Um, And it led to uh, an extreme reaction from a lot of people on the right. And now the president has glommed on to that. And so it's very difficult to wholly separate these two things from each other. And and, and I don't think that... um, People who uh, sort of understand basic political strategy would be happy with a guy running around being, oh, just by the way, I'm not a racist, but this isn't about race, but um, we saw white players, white owners, uh, black players, uh, black management, black coaches, all, in fact, even a African-American man that sang the national anthem at the Detroit Lions game, all of them protesting this president and what he said. So... Uh, I one thing that's not about race apparently is the outrage at what Trump said. I, I mean, we we can say that for sure, right? And that cuts uh, across all lines. Okay, so the, I totally agree with you on that side of the equation. Now, the other side of the equation, really, what does it have? What does <laughs> the Nats played the Mets yesterday, right? 
What does that game have to do with the flag? Well, you know, it's funny about this because actually I think back to an old story that came out a few years ago, uh, and I'm not accusing, this is not the, all sports are not like this, not all uh, patriotic moments at sports are like this. But there was a story about how, you know, you used to see all the flyovers and all the sort of patriotic things that happen with military and things at games, and we discovered that this was actually a thing that the military paid for. And 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 none 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 other than John McCain was extremely upset about this. John McCain, you know, yeah. veteran Republican, uh, hawkish, uh, 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 conservative guy, was very upset at the idea that that the the United States taxpayers were paying uh, major league sports to allow these to some of these patriotic displays. It's been around for a long time. A lot of people enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of reason why a lot of people go. I mean, people go to games for, for many reasons. A lot of people like that stuff. It's a nice tradition. Um, I don't think that we have to argue about whether or not the anthem should be played or not. I think the answer is uh, what should you do when the anthem is played? And I think that I can't think of anything more American than you should do what you believe in your heart that you should do. Yeah. Well, I would disagree with you on the anthem. I mean, I don't think it has any place at a, at a ball game, a, a baseball game, a football game. You know, I love my country. I believe I I am a true patriot. Um, I think we can learn from a lot of other countries, but I don't wouldn't want to live anywhere else. And I think we're the greatest country on earth, uh, and could be a lot better than we are, but still greatest country on earth. But um, to me, that doesn't mean I want to hear the national anthem when I go see a ball game, base basketball, baseball, or football, or whatever. But if the flag, so we can disagree on that. But if the flag stands for anything, it seems to me, it stands for the right not to stand. Well, you don't have to. You, right? don't, you don't have to take our word for this. I mean, the fact is, the players and coaches and owners of NFL teams, the ones who are the ones who put the anthem on yes. in their stadiums, yes, and the ones who have to go out there and are on the job at work when the anthem is playing, uniformly for the most part over the weekend said. Yeah, you can kneel, you can lock arms, you can stand or not. They're the ones who said it, and they're the ones, it's their anthem, their stadium, their place of business. Right. So I, I, I'm not really sure it's really, I mean, for me as a reporter to really say what, what one should do when the anthem plays, but I can say that, you know, sort of the objective fact here is that people who do this for a living seem to pretty much uniformly reject what the president said uh over the weekend, uh, or I'm rather in Alabama, um, about this. Yeah, uh, several people pointed out that he's the one person uh, who could get the owners and the players together. But actually, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's right. But actually, you know, the, there's something else to this that's uh, more about this president, and and, and I, I think this president does, which is that um, he takes things that conservatives are united about and makes their lives very, very difficult with the language that he uses. The honest truth is that prior to this weekend. Um, the Colin Kaepernick story uh, with the idea of him kneeling and leading a, a movement of people across the country kneeling during national anthems was very controversial, led to a lot of uh, um, um, debate and outrage among conservatives. They were kind of arguably winning that debate this season. Colin right. Kaepernick didn't get a job. Didn't even have a job. There was a huge discussion about whether ESPN should ever even talk about anything political. There was all this back and forth battle about what was going on. And ESPN was sort of apologizing for being political and making changes and all this stuff was happening. Like I said, Colin yeah. didn't, and Kevin didn't, you know, didn't have a job. Uh, and then the president comes out and says, oh, all these guys are SOBs. And then that immediately you saw a lot of conservatives on social media over the weekend who are 
frankly disgusted by the kneeling idea and don't like what Colin Kaepernick doing, find themselves having to say, well, I don't think that they're SOBs. I just think that you, they shouldn't. I mean, he, he kind of put the, he puts them in a jackpot here where they have, it's very difficult for them to continue a thing that they were actually already succeeding on, He's which up. is similar to what happened with the Confederate flag, to be honest, which is yeah. that after Nikki Haley took the Confederate flag down in, in, in South Carolina, um, Southern states, uh, Republican-led Southern states, did a very good job of making it impossible to take down the Confederate flag basically anywhere else, Right. And that debate sort of faded into the background and was sort of going along on its own. And there was this, this protest to take a, to, to keep a flag up. Trump comes in there and says people who went to that thing uh, who were Nazis, they're good people. And suddenly makes the flag debate a debate about Nazis, once again, putting conservatives into a jackpot. And like in this case, um, you know, he said, first of all, any, any of these players should be fired, right? Fire the sons of bitches. And that fans should stay away from the games. Neither of which is going to happen. They're not going to fire all the players, and the fans are not going to boycott the NFL. Well, there's also, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, there's, there, there's just so many layers of hypocrisy to that. I mean, th- this is a, a, a political party uh, that is often very critical of uh, boycott Boycotts, movements. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of them, right? Remember, you yeah. know, your old buddy Bill O'Reilly got boycotted. Your old buddy Sean Hannity got boycotted. Uh, Breitbart News, you know, uh, uh, ads on that play, on you know, on those um you know, on on that website, uh, there's been a lot of concerted efforts to do that, and people like the president, people who support him, have been very critical of that as somehow somehow violating people's mm-hmm. free speech in a way. Um, I just find it really crazy that we have these 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 discussions about free speech um, that just don't basically understand the idea of what free speech is, which is that right. you can't be put in jail for what right. you say. That's right. what makes our country. Really, really, really great country. It's like it's like it's like, one, well, like literally one of our best things. Like like one of our best things. We got we got national parks, great. We've got the free speech thing, excellent. We've got 500 million channels on cable, excellent. HBO being the best one, and <laughs> and 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 then we ha- and, and but the but the, but the idea that you can say whatever you want and have no consequences. When Colin Kaepernick kneeled the first time, he knew he was going to take a lot uh, of guff for it. And he did it anyway. Right. And now when people are pushing back on it, they're like, oh, please don't. Uh, how dare you uh, make so, this stand? So let me, let me, let me, let's just play the, what I think is the most disgusting, uh, but also, on another sense, the best expression of that attitude that you just reflected here, right, on the part of some of these conservatives. And the biggest toady in the administration, the biggest ass kisser in the administration a Steve Mnuchin, who will go out and defend Donald Trump for anything as long as Donald Trump will let him continue uh, his his job where he gets all the perks uh, of his job as Treasury Secretary. Uh, Steve Mnuchin yesterday, here's what he says is all about free speech. This isn't about Democrats. It's not about Republicans. It's not about race. It's not about free speech. They can do free speech on their own time. That this is about <laughs> respect for the military and the first responders and the country. Yeah. So you've got your constitutional rights. You've got freedom of speech. You've got freedom of religion. You have freedom of expression. Yeah. Will you do that at home? (laughs) Not in the public place here where we control it and tell you how you have to behave. It wasn't that long ago that just unbelievable. It wasn't that long ago that the entire uh, conservative (laughs) movement from mainstream to alt right in this country was united around the idea that a Google employee who wrote an employ uh, who wrote a who wrote a memo to all of his fellow Googlers saying that possibly women aren't biologically 
like don't have, don't have the biological ability to mm. code or to program computers that that person shouldn't be fired for saying that because he was exercising his free speech and he should be able to do that at work. Mm-hmm. That was literally, no. I don't know, like less than two months ago. No, no, I mean, no. it, it, it was now. very, very, Not very, now. very he little He can time. do that on his own free time. Right. Well, now, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, now he's been fired and he has his own free time. But I mean, th- th- this, th- this is just like they don't have a, a unified message here. And the irony is that, like, you know what I was saying before about the idea that he makes it harder for conservatives who actually they they want to fight these culture wars. They feel they win these culture wars, and they feel these culture wars are good to add, to activate their base and to get voters out, and they could be right. The irony is Trump is also trying to help mainline conservatives against his own base in Alabama tomorrow night. Yeah, right. So, so at the same time, he's making it really hard for mainline conservatives to stick to their guns on the things that actually unite them to the far right, which are things like these cultural issues. He's making it very hard to do that by saying things like sons of bitches. Yeah. He's also trying to help them elect strange overmore. Right. Let's jump into politics now because sure. we're going to talk a lot more about the NFL and the NBA and uh, and the NBA uh, with uh, Lindsey Gr- Lindsey Gribbs, sports reporter for Think Progress, uh, yeah. in the next half hour. Stay tuned for that. Um, let's talk about this Alabama race because it, it is uh, we're, as we were talking a little bit earlier with with Maggie Severance uh, there in the last hour. It, it's. It's bizarre in so many ways. Um, Donald Trump's support of Luther Strange against Roy Moore. Yeah, uh, Roy Moore, I find a despicable character, but at the same time, he is the anti-establishment character, and Luther Strange is the Mitch McConnell candidate down there. And it looks like Luther Strange. Well, the last poll I saw showed. 11 points behind Roy Moore. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know what's going to happen with the president and the vice president both coming out so strongly for Strange. But I think the funniest thing, you know, people talk a lot about Moore and look at Roy Moore and the things that he says and that that, that leads to a lot of headlines. He's been saying that stuff for years. Um, it's pretty normal for Roy Moore. That's what Roy Moore sounds like. The voters have elected him statewide there a couple times. To me, I think what's more funny. And Yeah, okay. That's just an inter- yeah, interruption. Your show, man. Because as a matter of fact, right? Let's go in the way back machine, and I'll thanks thanks to CNN, uh, who we a couple of times here on the show over the last couple of weeks. Whenever Roy Moore came up, I said, "Oh, by the way, I interviewed him on C-SPAN once." Yeah, I think well, it's a yes or no. J, J, uh, I mean, CNN went back to that interview, <laughs> and this is 2005. You're right. Roy Moore has not changed. Here's my question: Should homosexuality be illegal? I think it's a yes or no. Do you think that homosexual, homosexuality or homosexual conduct should be illegal today? That's a yes or no question. Homosexual conduct should be, should be illegal. Yes. Should be illegal. Yes. yes. There it is. It's a, direct, it's a pretty direct answer. <laughs> it's a well-crafted question. Direct question and a direct answer. <laughs> you right. sound so young back then, Bill. That, that, that old, that, that, that young voice. I can just see you with your flowing dark locks. Um, no, oh, no. It was, wasn't dark locks. <laughs> no, but I know that's younger. right. I know but that's right. right. No, no, no. no, no what no, I'm saying so, is, I mean, there's no doubt about who this guy is, right? Right. But, he sounded the same way for a long time, and it's gotten him support. I mean, he has been able to win statewide in uh, Alabama before. Uh, he's he, he's he's done okay, but what's more interesting to me actually is the dynamics of what's going on on the other side of the election, in which Luther Strange, sitting in Congress now, he's already in the Senate, working in the Senate, has had to say things like, "Hey, I'm going to stand up to Mitch McConnell. Don't worry about that." And the president's saying he doesn't even know who Mitch McConnell is. He's never even met Mitch McConnell, you know. 
And Mitch McConnell's money is what is fueling his race. I mean, the what's, what's interesting is that, once again, we are, it's important to remember sometimes, people forget, or maybe they don't forget, I forget, that we are, you know, eight or nine months into a world in which the Republicans control the entire federal government. And even still, even during that, they have to do this thing where they have to pretend that their leadership doesn't exist or that everybody who's going to run is going to be against their leadership. Um, this is not a party in power move, right? A party in power move is like, I'm like, I'm like these guys. I'm with them. This guy is saying, I'm like Trump. I don't like McConnell. McConnell is funneling him, is funding his money. Yeah. Yeah. McConnell wants the guy to win who is constantly saying, I'm going to stand up to Mitch McConnell, right? I right. mean, which is like obviously, you know, political and, speak, but and still. And I must say, uh, again, as despicable as I think Roy Moore is, he has run a brilliant campaign of branding Luther Strange as the swamp as the Washington insider, as the yes man for McConnell, as the crooked lobbyist <laughs> from Washington. Uh, I, don't where, I, don't, I don't know where I, I got that idea from. I mean, it's uh, the thing. I mean, who's going down there tonight? Steve Bannon is going down there tonight on his behalf. Uh, I thought, on Roy I, Moore's behalf. Yeah, Sarah yeah. Palin's been. All the Nigel Trump- Farage, literally the entire Ni- Trump uh, you know, roadshow. Including Ben Carson. Yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> the Ben Carson thing is... <laughs> so... <laughs> So when when Luther, Roy Moore um, wins tomorrow, uh, and if I guess we should still say, I'm going to say if because honestly, yeah, okay. I I do feel like the president is being pretty he forceful does, here. Does that does that diminish in any way Donald Trump's electoral appeal? Does it mean that more Republican outsiders are going to be saying, "Oh, and Roy Moore can win, I can win"? I think it sends a bigger shockwave into Capitol Hill than Trump's own election did. Because this was the moment. Really? This this is yeah. the moment where Trump was saying to Mitch McConnell and these guys who are still fighting to get his agenda through Congress. Yeah. Look, chips are down. I'm going to be on your side. You know, McConnell, you want Luther Strange. We're going to get you Luther Strange. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to cross my own base. I'm going to tell my base. Look, and he's he's talking about things like electability. He's talking about when he when he talks about uh, Luther Strange. He's talking about things like getting things accomplished. He's talking he's talking about things like loyalty to the president. Classic, classic things that presidents say when they go out on the campaign trail for people. Getting involved in a primary, saying to his own base, you have to support this guy you don't like as much because this is how we're going to get things done. That's what Mitch McConnell wants to hear. Right. And if it doesn't work, Mitch Mitch McConnell, who has had to suffer many, many slings and arrows under this president, you got to wonder at some point, he's going to be sort of out of like, what is the point of doing anything with this guy? Right? Like, I mean, you know, if, if the guy can't even control this base that McConnell's been been unable to control. Uh, you know, if he's if he's unable to control this this movement in the in the GOP that people like McConnell think is very dangerous to its long-term electoral prospects, if Trump can't stop it, what's the point of Trump after a while? Right. So, uh so this is a huge huge test for Trump actually. Um so let me ask you the similar question about if it as it looks like it may happen although it's not over yet. Uh, I, I um, uh, cautioned people before on the repeal vote. So now John McCain's a no vote. Rand Paul's a no vote. They're down to 50. If Susan Collins does go the way she indicates she might go and votes a no, or Lisa Murkowski, or maybe Ted Cruz, or maybe Mike Lee, and they lose this repeal vote, do, to what extent does that undermine the ability, you know, faith in the ability of either Mitch McConnell or Donald Trump to get anything done. Well, there was that story uh, Carl Holst did in the New York Times, right, where he yeah, talks about right. how there are uh, 
uh, uh, big donors are calling uh, Republican members of Congress and not giving them money because they can't pass uh, uh, an Obamacare repeal. Uh, this sends a lot of reverberations. These guys made a promise um, and they can't keep it. But obviously, this is sort of um, one of those things. It sort of will never, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm watching the Vietnam War documentary right now, Ken Burn, 18 hours. Incredible. And, and yeah. part of it is every time you get to like a natural end where, where the U.S. could end this thing and cut their losses, they never do it. And that's sort of what this is like in terms of like if even even if this bill f- fails, you still have the budgeting process, which can be done with reconciliation. They could do a lot of they can make a lot of changes to Obamacare through that. Like this is a this is a thing that they want off the table. But much like the Democrats, when they embraced this and tried to uh, do this in 2009 and it ended up eating up two whole years of their uh, term. This is very similar for the Republicans. This they have no plan and now they can't kind of get away from talking about it. So um, losing this vote will be huge, uh, a huge loss for them, make it very difficult for them to repeal this. But it doesn't it still doesn't go away. (laughs) Well, what I thought was interesting yesterday is that Donald Trump himself has sort of changed his tune um, by saying, well, if it doesn't work, it doesn't happen this week. We'll get it eventually, you know, which was kind of saying, I know it's not going to happen this week. Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, it's harder, but he's right. It could still happen. That's right. But again, it uh, it could but, it, it, everything else they want to do. It takes a lot of effort to do. I mean, healthcare is just it's the quagmire. It's you know, it's invading whatever uh, you know yeah. in the winter. That <laughs> whatever that whole thing is. But while you know while they while uh, the the one thing about message right. So Lindsey Graham was saying, no no no, we're still in it. We're going to get the votes. We're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. And Donald Trump was saying, well, if we don't win this time, we'll win next time or so. But. <laughs> Uh, there is uh, one other – you talked about donors, um, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one other person that uh, donors, according – you have reported, donors are uh, are calling, um, eager for him to run, and uh, they're not getting any response. Ah, Robert Ritchie we're talking about of Michigan. Yes. Kid Rock, a.k.a. Kid, Kid Rock. Kid Rock, right. Yeah, so look, I look, look, look. I watched this Kid Rock thing sort of kick Seriously? off. I watched, I watched this Kid Rock thing sort of kick off the other uh, when it, it, he put on the internet this crazy statement and launched this Kid Rock for Senate campaign uh, sort of like idea. And I was like, you know, what is going on with this thing? Like, yeah. what's, what's happening with this thing? So I went to Michigan and I did, you know, some on the ground reporting. I talked to a bunch of Republicans there, uh, including Sal Anuzis, former chair of the Republican Party of uh, Michigan and would be, uh, he, he was a, a finalist to be RNC chair back when Reince got the job. Um, just a big mover and shaker in Republican politics on that side. Um, and he basically told me that, uh, you know, he has two very prominent New York donors, Republican donors, who want to uh, host events and get this Kid Rock campaign going. And Kid Rock is not returning any of their phone calls, right? He's not talking to any of them. And that's exactly what a lot of other Republicans told me in a, in a more background way when they wouldn't go on the record with it. But they were saying, you know, major consultants, major donors. Kid Rock's not talking to anybody. He's talking about running for Senate, but not talking about anything about the infrastructure. This would be running against Debbie Stabenow? Correct. Okay. Uh, who's very difficult to beat, which Republicans will also tell you that. Yeah. Um, but I, so I went to Detroit. For the first of a series of six concerts Kid Rock was giving to open the new Little Caesars Arena, which is going to be home of the uh, hockey team and basketball team, Pistons and the uh, Red Wings, right? Is that right? In in Detroit. And uh, it was a six-concert series, and the idea was, he, according to Kid Rock's PR guy, who I talked to on the floor of that arena, 
told me that every night he was going he, that he was going to go do a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more about politics until finally yeah. on the 20th he was going to make a final announcement one way or the other. But then the guy also said to me, or maybe not, he's a rock star, what do you know? Turns out, what do you know is what happened. Kid Rock yeah. just got a lot of press from people like me. Yeah. And uh, didn't say anything. Didn't say so, anything so, at all. So we don't know what he's doing. He, has, he hasn't said he's doing it or not doing it. So it was a total fake out. But Republicans in Michigan do not think he's going to do it. They don't think this is going to happen. But in keeping with what we were talking about before, about Roy Moore and, and about sort of the Republican Party sort of tough time they're having dealing with their base that they have, the GOP doesn't think he's going to. But both the Tea Party side and the establishment side and a guy like Anousis kind of wish he would do it. Because because they think that if they have a chance against Stabenow at all, which they think is a very risky operation, he's very very good. Um, Kid Rock might be the only guy that could beat her. Do they have anybody else? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, have some, they have they have some candidates running who actually are pretty good. They got a you know a former um, Supreme Court ju- state Supreme Court justice. They got a businessman. They also have a woman uh, who is actually Donald Trump's chair in the state. Obviously, Donald Trump won that state. Um, who is also a small businesswoman. Um, but actually, kind of a wild campaign. She's like pregnant. She's running around pregnant, <laughs> business owner. I mean, like she's 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 actually pretty cool. But uh, I mean, in terms of a politician. But yeah. but but the but the uh, it, but they they, they think that Kid Rock. And the reason why they think that is that when you go to the Kid Rock show, it was MAGA hats galore and Kid Rock's own speech. So he gives a stump speech, and Kid Rock's stump speech was a Trump speech through and through. He kind of said. I'm not he, like like I'm sort of okay with universal health care. I'm sort of okay with um, you know some social program stuff. But then he turns to the microphone and says, you know, when did everything in America get so gay? You know, he just start like like he, he goes right into the social stuff. And um, it's very similar to, to Donald Trump, who of course Kid Rock supported. Yeah, but so right. these guys who are who will tell you privately that Debbie Stabenow is one of the best politicians that they, that they've ever seen. Um, they think that maybe, you know, hell, Trump did it in Michigan. Maybe yeah. Kid Rock could do it, too. But Kid Rock but, is not doing anything that a candidate would do if he was serious. That's but all. They, they feel they uh, they need a rock star. And the rock star, a little... Re- re- Rap rock star. Rap, Rap rock. rock star. <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> all right. Back to sports and the NFL with uh, Lindsey Gibbs joining us now. From uh, Think Progress... Uh, uh, Evan McMorris stays on as a friend of Bill, and you stay on as well. We'll be right back. Obamacare is a placeholder for Bernie Care. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. All right, here we go now. Continuing uh, the Bill Press Show on this Monday, uh, September 25, and coming to you live from our studio on Capitol Hill, right here in Washington, D.C., where we're brought to you today by the International, the Laborers International Union of North America, those good men and women of the Laborers Union. Under President Terry O'Sullivan, Building a Better America, that's a website, Liuna, L-I-U-N-A, buildsamerica.org. Uh, check it out. Salute them and thank them for the support of the program. And uh, pleased to welcome 
sports reporter from Think Progress, uh, Lindsey Gibbs, here uh, in studio, joining me and Evan McMorris-Santoro from Vice News. Hi, Lindsey. Good to see you. Hi. Thanks for having me. Boy, we want to jump back into the NFL thing, but uh, before we do, uh, we were just talking during the break about this embarrassment of riches in terms of so much news happening. Evan, I have to ask you about this bit of news which we haven't talked about uh, yet in the show because we've been busy with so much other stuff. Mm. Uh, a big revelation on uh, front page of New York Times, front page Washington Post today, that private emails have hit the White House and Jared Kushner, uh, his attorney, Abby Lowell, who's a good friend of mine, uh, has admitted that uh, Jared's been using his private email server to do official White House business um, <clears throat> yeah, echoes of Hillary Clinton. Just to be clear, I believe he set up a private email server in his home. Yes, and mm-hmm. has been using it to conduct some personal business. But according to him, he had to trust him. He hasn't done anything untoward with it. Just, yeah, I mean, this is like, I mean, this is this is, this, I mean, this is Twilight Zone music playing in my head when I saw this story. Yes. Come on, uh, like literally, it's like, have I stepped into an alternate dimension? <laughs> Do I live? Am I the same person? Like, I don't, I mean, this is literally, if you did, if you skipped the part of what happened where Hillary loses Mm -hmm. and you just like look at the first part, oh, this is a guide to how to run and then you start your own email server. That's literally what this is. And he said he did it because it was just more convenient (laughs) to do it that way. I mean, the words out of her mouth. Well, hopefully he'll make a joke about wiping his Blackberry with a cloth or whatever. We can just start this whole crazy thing over again, Bill. You know what I have to say? Lock him up. Lock him up, right? No. <laughs> how are they going to how are they going to wiggle their way out of this one? Uh, I just. I mean, it won't. Uh, uh, the frank, the fact of the matter is, the outrage from the Republican Party will be much different this time, and it won't be a thing. Uh, they always find a way to wiggle out. Yeah. How many congressional hearings do you think there will be on uh, Jared Kushner's use of the uh, private email server? And do you think he's the only one? Uh we know. Well, 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 we know he isn't the only one. We've. We. we there's been other talk about other people in the administration, okay. including Trump's um, voter fraud panel. That has been using personal email oh, as well. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get into that. All right, Lindsay, back to the NFL. How did it, what inspired, if you want to use that word loosely, <laughs> Donald Trump to get into this whole flap in the first place? I mean, what triggered him to go down and use a Luther Strange campaign rally to uh, attack? Let's hear him, Jamie, one more time say, fire the sons of bitches, only because. I want people to realize that this is the man that we tell all of our children. He's the president of the United States. Here is your role model. You should behave like this man. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now. Out. He's fired. He's fired. Why? Because it's his base loves it, and that's all he wants to do is just play to his base and entertain his base and rile up his base. That's why you always see these things coming out of the rallies, right, when the crowd's there and he wants to take it to the next level. He knows that this is an issue that really, like, riles up the conservative – like, the, the conservative part of – that's his base. Like, this is – 
trumps people who care about this the most. And so he just says it. And I mean, nothing bothers Trump more than a person of color or a woman attacking him publicly who's successful. And we've seen that time and time again. And you see these... uh, They weren't attacking him, were they? No, but they're attacking the flag and he likes to pretend he's the flag and that he likes to pretend that he's all that that's patriotic. And even though all of his actions and words actually go against that. Uh, tell me about so something that happened over the weekend, another, like a side story to this was this thing where like Steph Curry says he's not going to go to the White House right. after the Golden State <laughs> Warriors win the NBA championship, um, which is generally they go. Right. And then uh, he says he's not going to go. And Trump says, well, that doesn't matter. You weren't united. You weren't invited anyway. But then somebody mentioned that like Tom Brady and the Patriots didn't, or somebody else didn't go to the White House too. Can you like help me understand this whole thing about like who well, goes to the White House and not? I forget who they were now. Maybe it was Tom Brady. There were players under Barack Obama when I was going to the White House briefings every day who did not show up when their team showed up. Yeah, there. I mean, first of all, there's always a few players who don't come, and a lot of it's not for political reasons, right? Like these these visits to the White House come months after the championships are won, right? And these we know these teams don't. But with stay Obama, together there day-to-day. was somebody I know who did say, yeah. "I'm not going to go because I, I, I don't I, like it Obama." It might have been Brady. It might have been Brady, but. When like when the Patriots won the Super Bowl, obviously the Patriots have really close ties to Trump. Bob Kraft yeah. gives him a Super Bowl ring. You know, I mean, they're they're best buds. Um, so you, you see it, that became very, very political very, very quickly. The White House visit, whereas usually it's a ceremonial thing. There were a few players speaking up and saying, I'm not going because I don't want to be seen in any way as supporting or condoning what is happening in the White House right now. That really angered Trump. Brady ended up not going, essentially to just like avoid the controversy altogether. And I don't recall the president really jumping on him for that. You know, he didn't. And it's also funny that Brady actually linked arms with uh, protesters yesterday, and Trump specifically tweeted, linking arms is okay. (laughs) It's the taking the knee. But as Jamie pointed out yesterday, linking arms was also a form of protest. Absolutely. You don't get to decide what what the right form of protest is. Mm. You're not the one that is speaking out on an issue that is deeply personable to these African-American athletes. Right. He's just picking and choosing based on what his friends are doing. I mean, linking arms for a lot of players who don't feel comfortable taking a knee for whatever reason, this is still their way to be involved, to make a statement by linking arms during the anthem. And I think that's that's a great statement to make, you know. And my second question for you is another narrative I saw online a lot this weekend. Uh, you're a sports reporter for a political website. And a, lot, and, and a narrative that I saw was, oh, God, can't we just please not have politics and sports mix? Well, is that do you think that's possible? No. First of all, it's never possible, right? Like these are actual real citizens who live in this political climate and who like I said, like if you want an escape, go watch a fiction, you know, movie. Like go watch a, a romantic comedy or an action flick, right? And pretend like go live in an alternate universe. Like these are real people living in the real world. And the fact is that so much of what they're talking about is social issues and moral issues. And those have been co-opted by politics, right? Because now we we fight over whether racism even exists or whether, you know, whether people even get a voice in today's climate. Well, the the theory that I've heard um, is that, well, Donald Trump, he's smart, you know, uh, dumb like a fox, right? He realizes that he's got two big losses, losses this week. Roy Moore is going to win, Luther Strange is going to lose, and then they're going to fail again to repeal health care. So Donald Trump says, we need a distraction, so they won't be talking about that. So he throws the football thing out there as a distraction. Do you believe that? 
you know, I go back and forth always on this because it just doesn't seem like I, he he has that much strategy behind I, anything exactly, he's doing. Exactly. But yet, but yet he always I, seems to find a distraction just when he needs it. No, so I, I, I don't know. There's a consistency <laughs> to this, though, Bill. I mean, he's talked about this kind of issue, this this exact thing before. Uh, you know, I mean, he, in 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 his history, he's talked about this kind of stuff before uh, before he ran for president. I don't know about that. This is a thing he he talks about a lot, and he goes to Alabama football country to do a rally, and he brings football up. I mean, yeah. it's it's actually not. I mean, I think I think that that kind of I, I I don't know. I've never really understood that that sort of logic or mentality. This guy is really good at talking to the, to the people he wants to talk to, and this is what you do: you go to the place. I mean, it's just like talking. I mean, this is the place you talk about football. Alabama did yeah. it, riled him up. They loved it. You know. And the thing is, he's kept going all weekend. There's been about, oh, there, there oh. were more tweets this morning what? about This morning, it. I know, we read Just, a couple. I mean, it's ridiculous, and I think that there's somebody pointing out, like, he's done, like, <laughs> eight tweets about the NFL or NBA, and, like, zero about Puerto Rico, and, like, what's happening? Like, this is his focus right now. Right, indeed. Um, and by the, the other thing, he succeeded, I mean, before, you could tell me, um, other than Colin Kaepernick and maybe a couple of others. Well, but how many how many people how many players had actually knelt? There had a handful. Been, as far as like having taken a knee or lift or raised a fist, a I think there had been the, about forty at the beginning of last year. So this was a still a small, relatively small amount of last year. players, and a lot of them were last year. This year, there were only a handful that were doing it. Yeah, and now <laughs> there, it was hundreds yesterday. It was hundreds who were you know taking a knee or linking arms or raising a fist or even sitting down. I mean, it he amplified this protest by to a degree that I didn't never thought it would get to. Right. You um, didn't – so we hear about the NFL. You mentioned um, the NBA got into it because of Steph Curry. And uh, there was one, I think from the Oakland A's, one Major League Baseball player who took a knee yesterday. Yeah, a rookie, right? yeah, who yeah. started I think Friday night, actually took a knee. So that was a big deal. Wasn't Didn't it start with the WNBA? It did. You're speaking my language there, yeah. The WNBA last year started uh, <laughs> right after Philando Castile and Alton Sterling were uh, murdered in the same week. Uh, you saw a lot of players in the WNBA start wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts. Uh, what happened next was... They were fined, and then they started having media blackouts. So you would go into their locker rooms after the games, and they would all be wearing Black Lives Matter shirts, and they would refuse to talk about anything about the game. They would only talk to you about Black Lives Matter or the actual fines and what was going on in the media. Like, they wanted to focus that issue because they were so mad that they had gotten fined. Um, And then once they didn't start the anthem protest, but it was around the same time that preseason was starting. So it was around August of last year. So once Kaepernick did take a knee, a lot of them joined in and you had had white teammates joining in. You had entire teams taking a knee during the playoffs. Um, You know, you had a lot of these players really taking steps. And I think the WNBA is a great example of a league. First of all, the WNBA commissioner learned her lesson after taking those fines. She listened to the players, she rescinded the fines, and Mm. she's really changed Mm. her tone on how socially active they can be and how much of a voice they can have in this. And she's really listened, which I think I give her a lot of credit for. You know, um, Evan, uh, one of the funniest comments I thought, maybe the most perceptive too, over the weekend came from former Governor Ed Rendell of Pennsylvania. Uh, who said that only Donald Trump could make Roger Goodell look like a statesman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm paraphrasing, but basically, yeah, because it hasn't been a good time for Goodell 
and the NFL, right? And suddenly, yeah, they've not had a really good run. Yeah, suddenly, well, you know, they've got they put an ad out yesterday. You know, uh, they've got Joe Lockhart. Well, what I, was before, I mean, I mean, it felt like there was a lot of stuff going on in the past before where actually the owners and the players were very, very, very divided over a bunch of stuff, totally. right? The CTE totally. stuff. Yeah. Not to mention the last election in which many players didn't like Donald Trump and many owners did like Donald Trump. And now they're all on the kind of on the field together sort of saying the same thing. Locking arms together. Yeah. yeah. Although I think it's important. Even Dan Snyder. Oh, no, was that not the most ridiculous oh, image you've oh, ever God. seen yeah. when the Washington football team puts out a statement yeah. about inclusivity? I, <laughs> With I the logo right there on the... Yeah. Oh, my uh, gosh. <laughs> that was that was just too far for me, uh, my realm of reality to like take. <laughs> if you haven't seen the photo, you should look up the photo oh, of no. him. It's on the front page of the Washington Post. Oh, is it? Morning. Okay, it's great. Disgusting. Perfect. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, The most reviled band in Washington. Yeah. You know, he looks so lost out there. <laughs> <laughs> but what should we make you think of all these owners and what they're doing? Because, I mean, I, I, I consider... They, they, they were an early and strong uh, contingent of Trump's when Trump talked about business leaders that supported him was uh, oh, yeah. largely sports owners. I think a lot of this is empty uh, gestures from the owners. I think you saw a lot of statements from these owners coming out saying unity and very vaguely condemning Trump's language issuing essentially issuing a statement because they had to issue a statement and i'm really concerned about that because i think that if we start letting these owners co-opt this movement and make it about like empty gestures of unity it's not going to be what it was eventually initially about which is police brutality and systemic racism it's not as authentic certainly as coming from the players right uh, yeah for sure but you you, something that gets lost in this conversation one of you just mentioned an evidence that the cte is that donald trump also at, at this campaign rally on Friday, and they basically said, blasting the owners for uh, and and officials, right, for um, uh, going too easy on this roughing up and players getting roughed up, right? Yeah, and he's been it, saying this. This is another one of his greatest hits, that the NFL's become soft now, that these guys yeah, can't yeah. take a hit, that they're weak now. Their ratings aren't high enough now. In fact, he's he got that clip of, of Donald Trump saying, for him, of course, yeah. everything is about ratings yeah. here he is the nfl has to work out their own problems their uh, their numbers are way down and i think this is a big reason why their numbers are way down yeah if only they had more guys getting yeah. concussions, their yeah. numbers would be back a, a, up. A couple of things about that. First of all, he's been NASCAR, of course, has come out and said we will fire. Mm-hmm. We will fire anyone who participates in this protest. Today, Donald Trump was tweeting praise of NASCAR. Nobody's ratings are lower right now than NASCAR's. <laughs> NASCAR is seriously, seriously. And of course, he didn't mention that at all in his tweets. And you also had Donald Trump Jr. yesterday actually like uh, talking about the protest and saying, "Why?" Roger Goodell should be worried about CTE and domestic violence and not the anthem protesters. And it's like your dad is on stage basically saying CTE doesn't exist like yeah. on a regular basis. Like yeah. you guys are just two days after the news came out about Aaron Fernandez. Oh, my God. I know. Oh. I know. Yeah. It's, it's sort of Hernandez. But right. is there something to it at all? Like just the effect that all these owners that I mean, you, you mentioned you, you think it might be an empty gesture, but something that all these owners and Goodell and all these people who are very concerned about declining NFL ratings, right? We hear about it all the time. They think that the best thing they have to do is just turn on this president. I mean, does that... So the capitalism is now in protesting Trump. Yeah, Does that mean mean something? Well, look, the players... 
always have more power than they think they do. But in the NFL, it's really tough because there's so many players, right? And there's so many just role players. And they can be, honestly, very faceless even to, like, their coaches and, and organizations. But when you see so many of them rally together, right, the owners are, are stuck. We're like, you know, if, if, if I'm going to have three-fourths of my team kneeling anyways, I can't be like, you know, I've got to come out and pretend like I support this. I will say, like, a lot of players were happy with the support that was shown by their owners. So when I'm saying it's an empty gesture, a lot of that's because I just wish that they would go a little bit further in addressing the real issues here. But I know that like Malcolm Jenkins talked a lot, who's been one of the protesters through and through on the Philadelphia Eagles. He talked about how much it meant to him that his owner was out there standing with them and standing beside them. Okay. So um, Evan, I've heard me say this before, but I have to, um, I want to let you know that I have the answer to all of this. Oh, good. Yes. Oh, good. Okay, okay. Thank you. Uh, it's very simple. Yeah. Stop playing the damn national anthem. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah. I mean... What are we doing? It was played in London yesterday. Like, why are we in London playing the national anthem? Like, then they played God Save the Queen, and, and, and our players stood up for God Save, <laughs> God Save the Queen. No, but I mean, seriously, this equation of patriotism and the Redskins... Give me a break. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's nothing to do with it, right? No, it's it's ridiculous, and I. Th- it, but it's all about. I mean, it's, it's almost like uh, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's yeah. almost like the same thing would be if they if we had to stand and say the Lord's Prayer. I right. mean, God doesn't give a damn whether the Nats win or not, right? And <laughs> this country, yeah. right? Our patriotism doesn't suffer if the Steelers lose. But the NFL has <laughs> I, I, has it's, it's, co-opted patriotism, right? And it's I mean it's become like part of their marketing, right? Is pretending like we are right with the military and we are we are patriotism. Well, and Evan, you made this point earlier. It's also the military has used this yeah, it, to recruit. Mm, yes. That's right. 100%. But I mean, but as I said before, I mean, I think it's perfectly fine to go to a ball game or whatever it is and enjoy the national anthem. I think what's actually kind of cool about this is you can is that what what clearly is the resonating uh, unified voice of people who play and own sports teams is you can enjoy that anthem as you would. Like 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 if it turns out that the way that this anthem moves you is to make a protest and, you know, try to you know use your power of free speech and protest and show that we have that ability in America. That's something you can do with the anthem. If you want to stand and put your hand over your heart, that's something you can do with the anthem. It's I mean, you know, I I I'm not sure that the that the anthem needs to be uh, needs, needs no. to be criticized to me, here. To me, it's like the, the opening prayer for a session of Congress. It should not, doesn't belong there. It has nothing to do with it. Well, before I think- And I'm a proud American. When I go to the Nats games, I don't want to have to stand for the national anthem. <laughs> Or or be, or be forced to stand for the national anthem. Well, before 2009, the players weren't even out on the field when the anthem was played. Is like that that's right? relatively new that the players are even coming out during the anthem and to have it played. And that's all. So they have that photo op with the big, you know, flag and all of the flyovers yeah, yeah. and all of that. So this is all relatively. 2009, new. you think? I believe it was 2009. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, I want to ask you about uh, you know. So a week ago. <laughs> We were sort of on the fringes of this controversy talking about Jamel Hill right. at ESPN. Mm-hmm. Right. So what's the backstory there and how did all of that play out? Well, you know, Jamel has always been very outspoken about who she is and what that means. It's essentially not shying away from addressing racism and sexism uh, in a very blunt way that you often on don't air. see. Um 
Well, she addresses it on the air when the issues come into play. She doesn't bring it out of nowhere on the air, but on her social media feeds. So on her social media feeds, when she was interacting with uh, some of the trolls that she gets more than anyone in sports, she gets, I mean, her mentions are a dumpster fire on a daily basis. I mean, get back in the kitchen, the N-word. I mean, oh my God. I mean, I'm serious. Like, it's the worst thing. Every woman in sports I talk to says nobody gets it like Jamel Hill gets Mm. it. Um, Because she's in a very prominent position and she's outspoken and she's a black woman. So it's, you know, these three things. Perfect storm. Right, it really, I mean, it really is. But, you know, and so she... Sports shouldn't be about politics, though. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's how I'm a sports fan, atting ESPN anchor, telling her she get in the Kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so she, I mean, you know, she t- said to one of the yeah. people talking to her that Trump was a white supremacist. And then she gave a lot of very good reasons <laughs> that, that why tr- she believes that. That it was on Twitter, wasn't it? Yeah, this was on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, but she wasn't, she wasn't fired. She was not fired. Was no. she fined? Um, no, not that we know of. Was she. Suspended? She, or? No, she, uh, she was. She didn't even apologize. She hasn't even deleted the tweets. But she did say that she wishes that she, she regretted that, like how it made the company look, and that she accepted that she went too far for the company to be comfortable. But ESPN issued a very um, a condemnation of her that didn't really appease any side for people on the left. We thought, well, you're kind of hanging her out to drive with this statement, right? And for people on the right, they were like, why aren't you firing her? Um, And that really escalated things. And then, of course, the next day you had the White House advocating for her to get fired, which was just surreal. I mean, that is taking things to a dangerous level. Sarah Sarah Sanders did that two or three days in a row. Yeah. Oh, oh, they. Yeah. They, right. they, they keep doubling and tripling down on all this absurdity. You know, what is it? What, what the 2009 when the president of the United States uh, suggested that a police officer who arrested a Harvard professor in his own house because he wouldn't believe that it was his house acted may stupidly. have acted stupidly, mm-hmm. that that was the biggest, you know, the worst thing a president has ever done was to step into the work life of an American trying to protect people as a police officer. And now you have the president and his chief spokesperson saying who should be hired and who should be fired by sports networks and sports teams i mean then you had it for the sports teams but the anthem protest it's just there's it's just there's something very it's i i don't know there's just it's 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 an amazing amount of hypocrisy right now i don't know how anybody lives with it all right but you can find him and follow him on hbo evan mcmorris santoro vice news HBO at 7.30 p.m. Get the podcast. Every weeknight. <laughs> yeah, and download. Lin- and Lindsay, you can follow at thinkprogress.org. Thanks, Lindsay, Thank for coming. Thank you for having me. Hey, Evan, great to see you. Thanks, man. Have a great day, folks. This see you tomorrow. This is The Bill Press Show.